Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Uh, for the gathering, uh, we praise you for our ability to be able to come together and join together and especially to sense your presence in our midst. We ask for the Holy Spirit to quicken, make alive your word into our hearts afresh tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Okay, now this is true. This actually did transpire. This is my uh, pre-lesson addition, I'll say. This, this, but this truly happened. The first grade teacher had 26 students in her class, and so she was presenting each child in her classroom the first half of a well-known proverb, and you'll know what I mean when I get into it, and then asked them to come up with the remainder of it, you know? So it went like this. She, she started out with the first child, and she, she says, okay, strike while the... And they were to fill in. And so the kids uh, strike while then. The kid says, bug is closed. (laughs) It's always darkest before daylight saving time. (laughs) You can lead a horse to water, but how? (laughs) Don't bite the hand that looks dirty. If you just walked in, these are uh, six-year-old kids filling in the blanks. You can't teach an old dog new math. (laughs) If you lie down with dogs, you'll stink in the morning. The pen is mightier than the pigs. (laughs) I don't know. An, An idle mind is... The best way to relax. (laughs) Six-year-old. A penny saved is not much. (laughs) Laugh and the whole world laughs with you. Cry and you have to blow your nose. Children should be seen and not spanked or grounded. That's, that's a kid looking out for himself, huh? And the last one, a bird in the hand is going to poop on you. <laughs> Six-year-olds. Okay, we are concluding our series on the whole armor of God. And uh, uh, next week, next Wednesday night, 6.30, we'll be having a praise worship service with prayer for special needs. So, We encourage you to come out for that, 6.30 next Wednesday. And then the following Wednesday, so two weeks from tonight, I'm going to start a series called The Power of the Blood of Jesus. Do a three-week series. It's obviously coming up on Easter. And so I'm looking forward to that and encourage you toward that in two weeks. So as we conclude our series on the whole armor of God, I want to remind us that we have a very real and very dangerous enemy. 1 Peter 5, verse 8 says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. 
Somebody say yikes. <laughs> Ephesians 6, verse 10 through 13, this is in the uh, Phillips version. Uh, in conclusion, be strong, not in yourselves, but in the Lord. In the power of his boundless resource, put on God's complete armor so that you can successfully resist all the devil's methods of attack. For our fight is not against any physical enemy. It is against organizations and powers that are spiritual. We are up against the unseen power that controls this dark world and spiritual agents from the very headquarters of evil. Therefore, you must wear the whole armor of God that you may be able to resist evil in its day of power and that even when you have fought to a standstill, you may still stand your ground. Okay, so both of these portions of Scripture deal with the the, and explain the very real threat that we face from our enemy, the devil. Uh, and these statements sound really intimidating, don't they? Uh, the devil prowl, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Uh, I remember years and years ago, I haven't heard this in some time, but years ago I heard uh, someone preaching about this, uh, and they were talking about how uh, the roaring lion are, the, are toothless lions, you know, and they go through and they're roaring because they're toothless and they're trying to intimidate and all that. Well, I can tell you, I was a missionary in Africa. I saw lions, I saw lions roar, and they had teeth. <laughs> uh, anybody that's watched National Geographic knows that that's not real, that, that the roaring lion uh, can have very real, very big teeth. And so I say that to say this, uh, the devil is, is not uh, uh, toothless. He is a very real threat, and we need to be alert and wise to uh, his uh, strategies and schemes. We're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. So uh, uh, when it says we're, we're up against unseen power that controls the dark world and spiritual agents from the very headquarters of evil, so uh, this is a very real threat, and yet you and I as God's people, when we are born again, as born-again believers, we are not meant to feel intimidated. Now, I was, as I was thinking about this, it, it occurred to me that uh, when we hear and read verses like this, it seems pretty intimidating. Roaring lions, seeking whom he may devour. Uh, spiritual forces, demon powers from the, from the very headquarters of evil and all that. It really does sound, and it can make us feel intimidated, but as God's people, we need not be intimidated. We are meant to be confident. So, our confidence, and, and this isn't because, you know, it's like, I, I am God's man of faith and power. I'm God's woman of uh, power and all this. It's not because of who we are, but it's because of who we are in Him, right? 
And so that's the whole point is that on our own, we would be very intimidated uh, by evil forces and, and all. But we are not on our own. Thank God. So our confidence comes out of what we have been given. And Ephesians chapter 6 lists two of the things that God gives us to help us stand and overcome. First of all, His power. Ephesians 6 verse 10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. We need to know that His power is available to us. We don't stand in our own strength, our own ability, our own power. We stand in His ability and His power and what He has given to us, right? 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So we have been given His power. Secondly, we have been given His armor. Ephesians 6, verse 11, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So if we receive His power, <clears throat> it's been freely given to us, Right? power has been given to us, right? And if we put on his armor that he has provided for us, we'll win against all the attacks of the enemy. The, the real uh, question is whether or not we recognize his power available to us and we participate by putting on the whole armor of God, okay? So tonight we're going to look at the last two specific pieces of our armor. And uh, if you weren't here for some of these classes, I can make these available, the notes available to you afterwards. If you'll just get with me or with Cindy. Cindy's a wave at you right now. She's, yeah, she don't. She, anyway, she's over there and she is waving at you. She doesn't like me to call attention to her, which I do all the time anyway. I, you know, I need to get off that, right, and go on with the class. So anyhow. Uh, get with me after the class, and I'll get you the lesson plan that you have missed. I would like to encourage you again to go over this, uh, the, the lesson through the course of your week. Maybe take uh, several days even and, and just break it down and uh, use it as a devotional. You know, uh, Go through and, and re rehearse and refresh because there's a lot of Scripture in this that really will help us if we apply it, right? Okay, so Ephesians 6, verse 13 through 17. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The first one we're going to look at tonight is the helmet of salvation. The following quote is from Perry Stone's book, There's a Crack in Your Armor. It's a book about the whole armor of God. He says these words, the Roman soldier's helmet was made from a copper-iron alloy. These helmets were used to protect the head. The top 
was bowl-shaped and protected the top of the head from blows. There was a neck guard connected to the back of the helmet to protect the back of the neck, and the brow guard that protruded out of the top near the forehead guarded from frontal downward blows. Two pieces, two metal pieces, that were like movable flaps were attached to the left and the right side of the helmet, designed to protect the cheekbones and the jaws from any impacts to the face. Thus, the helmet protected the head and front of the face from all directions, the side, the front, and the back. Okay? The helmet of salvation, what we're going to focus on tonight, protects our minds. Probably all of us tonight understand that most of spiritual warfare happens between our ears, in our minds. Our mind is the uh, control center for our life. Uh, the devil knows if he can just plant a small thought or an idea into our head that's contrary to God's Word and see that thing land on us, and ju he'll just wait and allow that to germinate and spread throughout our life. Okay? Second Corinthians 2, verse 11 says, Lest Satan should take advantage of us. I'm tired of him taking advantage of me, aren't you? For we are not ignorant of his devices. This word devices in this verse is from the Greek word, Nomada, a form of the Greek word, or it's taken from the Greek, nomada is taken from the Greek word, nous. The Greek word nous describes the mind or the intellect. And so Paul is saying here, we are not ignorant of the way Satan schemes and thinks. We can know the way he will try to uh, assault and attacks us his mindset and the way he thinks and schemes, if we look into God's Word and ask the Holy Spirit to help us, we can get a strategy on how to defeat him, right? His strategy is to plant sinful or negative or lying or doubtful thoughts, all kinds of thoughts that are contrary to God's will and God's Word, and to plant those in our minds. And... He has been at this for a long time. He knows all of us intimately. He has, Satan has viewed us from the time of our birth and has watched us as we went through childhood, went through our teen years and, and on. And so he knows what we are susceptible to. He, every one of us is a little bit different. Uh, what uh, influences one of us may not be the thing to influence or mess up someone else, but he knows. And so he knows the thoughts to plant in our minds and knows what we are susceptible to and, uh, or the areas that will lure us away from God and attempt to uh, lure us away from God. And it may be as, as simple as... Uh, planning uh, a thought that, that uh, uh, is kind of hits our insecurities and like, 
and, and we see this happen all the time. As a pastor, I've seen this over the years all the time. Something as simple as telling people, well, you know, they don't like you. Or nobody, nobody at that church really likes you. Or, uh, see, the pastor gave you a weird look. And I got to tell you, I, I can't help the looks. But I can tell you this, you know, or the pastor's mad at you. Did you see that, the way he looked at you? He's mad at you. I tell you, if I am mad at you, I'll just tell you, you know. And, but, but it happens all the time. I've seen it over the years, and people come to me, I know that you're mad at her, and I know that you're upset. I saw the way you looked at me, and I, and I just completely flabbergasted because I had no idea, you know. I, no. So he plays on our insecurities, and all of us want to be liked, don't we? And so, especially in a, in a gathering where, like in church, we come together, we want to be liked and all, and so the devil will try to uh, plant thoughts that uh, uh, hit our insecurities to try to get us to not be here, not be around each other. You ever hear the thing, the, the banana, banana that leaves the bunch gets skinned? <laughs> so he'll try to get us isolated uh, and we need each other. We really need each other. Coming through the pandemic, we found out as a church, we, you know, uh, when, when things began to lighten up some and people uh, began to come back more and more, it was like, man, uh, you know, I really miss being around, being with the gathering. And that's because we need each other, right? Okay, so sometimes he'll play on our insecurities or... He may put a tempting thought into our minds, and it goes, can go something like this. Well, you've been under a lot of pressure recently, and so you can indulge just this one time. No one will know. It'll be all right just this one time. And so he knows us. He knows our weaknesses, and he plays on those weaknesses. We need to remember there's always a progression with sin. In James chapter 1, verse 14 through 16, he says, but each one is tempted. And let me pause for a moment there. We need to understand that every one of us gets tempted. All of us get tempted. That just because we're tempted doesn't mean we're evil, wicked, horrible uh, believers. It just simply means we're human and we're all tempted. When we are drawn away by our own desires and enticed, we, we, we have to stand against the temptation, right? Amen. But he says, then, when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. So we have to recognize the areas of temptation and then begin to stand against it. Uh, Satan attempts to deceive us with tempting thoughts that progress to sin, and then ultimately his goal, goal is to destroy us. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity 
every thought to the obedience of Christ. So here's one of the, one of the most important things we can do in our life is practicing casting down imaginations or those thoughts that are contrary to God's way, God's will, God's purposes for our life. Those thoughts that are contrary to the truth about God. Isn't that right? The helmet of salvation implies a covering over the way we think. When we get saved, we are given the mind of Christ. Now I want everybody to say, I have the mind of Christ. I know some of you are thinking, I, I don't know, you, you, have, you haven't lived inside my mind. But all of us, when we are born again, as we are born again, we get saved, we are given the ability to think God's thoughts. And that's why we do. We begin to think differently. We feel differently about uh, the things that we are involved in. And it happens from the moment that we get saved. That's why we get convicted and we feel guilty about things that before might, might not have meant anything to us. But now we're different. We've been sensitized and we begin to think through the mind of Christ. It doesn't mean that every thought that comes into our mind is from the, the mind of God, but it does mean that we have the ability to begin to think God's thoughts. Now tell yourself, I believe that. That's good. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 16 says, For who has known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Our minds are protected by the helmet of salvation. Now, just as with all the other pieces of armor that we talked about, the helmet of salvation is something we have to put on. God gives us the armor, but we participate in putting it on and keeping it on. This is something we need to remind ourselves of. It's so important. Uh, the thoughts we dwell on and consider have to be filtered through the covering God has given us, that helmet of salvation. It refers to our relationship with God, our experience with Him, our life with Christ, the helmet of salvation, our relationship, our life with Him. And so before we allow thoughts to continue, we should monitor them by questioning, how does this line up with my life in Christ. So, sinful, sinful, tempting, doubting, or negative thoughts will be easier for us to recognize if we ask ourselves, is this really good for my relationship with Christ, or is it true to Him or about Him? Okay? We have to take captive the thoughts that are contrary to Him. So again, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. This is something that we have to participate in. Uh, our minds just tend to roam. And I know that there are a lot of you that, that have the same experience, and some of you may have uh, 
felt guilty when you get down to pray and as you start praying, your mind just starts drifting and wandering. Can I tell you something? I've, I've mentioned this before, but I think it's important to, to let you know. I, that it happens to me every time I pray. I'd like to tell you that, that I am so spiritual that every time I get alone with God to pray, that I'm just laser focused. You know, I just mind like a steel trap. I'm just focused on God and, and the things of God. But uh, it just isn't true with me. My mind begins to, to wander. And, uh, and so I have to draw my mind back. During the course of my day as I live life, uh, I have to every day monitor my thoughts. I have to f- monitor my thoughts about people. I have to monitor thoughts about myself, about who I am. I have to still monitor my thoughts and regulate and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, meaning uh, the thoughts that are true of who God is. I still have to do this. this is, I'm, I'm a 47-year-old born-again believer. <clears throat> I've been doing this for quite a while now, you know. <laughs> it's been, cal- I've got calendar deck out almost a half a century. That's frightening when I say that kind of thing. But, but it is, it's true. I mean, it's frightening because I know I'm getting older. Not old, just older, you know, getting older. And so, anyway, every day of my life, I have to monitor my thoughts. And to this day, there are things that I know that are true about God because of what he's revealed in his word. And yet still, Satan tries to, to contest those thoughts about God. But God, well, it's, you know, whether it's about healing or about uh, his uh, presence, being with me, all that. Because I don't always just feel the presence of God just hovering in my or on me or in me. I have to go by the truth of God's Word, and we all do. Uh, a lot of times, and when I'm teaching and preaching, I do have more of a sensitivity because I'm kind of more engaged. But there have been times when I've taught or preached where I felt like I was all alone on the platform, you know. But I know it's not true. That's just my mind. And I've got to channel my mind, bring my thoughts in the obedience of Christ, and I have the mind of Christ. I can think God's thoughts. I can and we can think thoughts that are true about Him. Isn't that right? Okay. Uh, another quote from Rick Renner. He wrote the book Sparkling Gems from the New Testament or Greek New Testament. And he says, in the, these, this phrase, bringing into captivity. It's from the Greek word, that word. I left that in your I'll let you pronounce that to yourself. Which pictured a soldier who has captured an enemy and now leads him into captivity with the point of a sharpened spear thrust into the flesh in his back. This is not a one-time affair it is a lifelong occupation of this soldier. So, we get the point, don't we? We need to constantly monitor the thoughts that go through our minds. 
and I left some examples, is what I'm thinking uh, about helping my relationship with Christ. Is it true about who I am in Him? Is it true concerning who He is and what He has promised me? The, the reality is, oftentimes, we can be lazy mentally. And what I mean by that is, is that sometimes we just don't feel like putting up a fight and casting down imaginations and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ because we, we may be tired or just, uh, just don't feel like it. And, and, you know, when I sense the presence of God on me, it's a whole lot easier to resist and fight and, and feel strong in the Lord and all that because I, can, I, I sense it. But there are a lot of times in my life and in your life where we don't just feel it. And when we don't feel it, so we are so controlled by our emotions. If we feel it, then we feel it. If we don't, we don't. And so resisting, bringing in the captivity and all that, if we just are kind of uh, going through something, feel worn down, and this is the enemy's strategy, is to constantly try to wear us down to weaken us, weaken us mentally so we don't resist. And we have to constantly be on guard and daily put on the helmet of salvation, our relationship with Christ, and monitor our thoughts through who He says we are and who He says He is. Amen. Now tell yourself, I believe that. Uh, and so I put an example uh, and I, I may have left it in your notes. I don't allow these thoughts to go unchallenged. Did I leave that in your notes? Good. I'm glad. They are not godly or from God. I cast them down in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus, for covering my mind with the helmet of salvation, or in other words, our life through him. And so this is just an example of how we can cast down those. Imagine we've got to constantly be on guard in our life, because our mind is a, a huge battlefield, isn't it? Okay, let's, let's deal with the last piece of armor in the armor of God, the sword of the Spirit, God's Word. The sword of the Spirit is a powerful, offensive weapon. Now, I was thinking, if we, if we see somebody walking down the street, and they've got a big leather belt on, they've got even a breastplate, They've got sandals on, they're wearing a helmet, and they're carrying a shield. We might think they're weird, but they're not going to be real intimidating, right? But if that same person has a sword strapped on that belt, big sword strapped on, you know what? We're probably going to run the other way, right? The sword can be very intimidating. Ephesians 6, verse 17 says, And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, we take the sword of the Spirit by speaking the Word of God, and especially speaking the Word of God to those thoughts or the, the lies of hell and to the enemy of our souls. When we studied the belt of truth, we talked about the importance of Reading and knowing God's Word is so critical that all of us as believers get into God's Word. And, and we should daily, even if it's just 
for a bit of time. We ought to discipline ourselves. And I know we hate that word discipline. But we ought to discipline ourselves daily to set some time aside to get into God's Word for ourselves. Read it. And I know that there's some that say, well, I'm not real good at reading. If, if you cannot read at all, you can get, there's so many avenues that we can get God's Word in. We can listen to it online or get uh, 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 CDs or whatever. Probably most everybody here can read, and we just need to take the time to do it. Some says, well, I'm a slow reader. That could be an advantage. Take time to read God's Word, get into yourself, and allow God's Word to get into you. And so it's, it's so important. It's the truth of God's Word that sets us free. They, they, they were just, they can go around the front. It's kids, probably, or some weirdo. Anyway, but when the Bible speaks about us taking the sword of the Spirit, God's Word, it's referring to our use of that Word. It's not just our reading the Word of God, getting it, but it's taking the sword of the Spirit, using God's Word. Jesus knew how to use the Word in spiritual warfare, didn't He? When He was in the wilderness, and many of you know the story, Jesus fought with the devil at a time of great personal weakness in His life, It was after a 40-day fast. He was very weak, but he won in the wilderness. When we read the Bible, we need to kind of go and look at the stories behind the stories sometimes. Uh, Jesus, when he was uh, tempted by the devil in the wilderness, he would have been physically weak after a long fast. Uh, And, you know... He came as God, but he was man, fully man, fully God, but fully man. In other words, he limited himself as he was on the earth to everything that we are limited to as individuals, as a man, or or if you're a woman, as a woman. And yet, he won because he took the word of God. Now, he was weak physically. When we're weak physically, usually our emotions are, are compromised in that time. Now, I was thinking, see, I, I fast periodically in my life, and when I'm fasting and I'm hungry, I have to watch myself. I have to uh, watch myself around other people because I can get aggressive when I get hungry. And so I have to watch myself. <laughs> I have to remind myself, be nice. It's one of Cindy's favorite things. She tells me every once in a while. Be nice, be nice. Or I can feel lethargic. You know, after fasting, well, I feel lethargic. And sometimes uh, I have been fasting, I just don't feel like putting out the extra emotional energy uh, to engage in spiritual warfare which is really bizarre when you think of it. I'm fasting to, to get a hold of God and yet feel physically, uh, you know, tired and just kind of lethargic and don't feel the umph to engage in spiritual warfare. So I, that's, that's the way I feel sometimes. So I was thinking about Jesus after 40 days of fasting 
and being confronted with Satan. And it occurred to me, he probably in himself really didn't feel super powerful. He was weak physically, but he did what he knew to do, and he used the Word of God to overcome the enemy. And we need to as well, right? Luke chapter 4, verse 3 and 4 says, And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Now, there are two other temptations uh, that follow this one, and Jesus responded the same way in each time by speaking the Word of God. Every time the temptation came, He spoke the Word of God. He didn't argue or try to reason with the devil. Uh, He didn't say, well, of course I'm the Son of God, uh, and try to reason with him, argue. He simply spoke the truth of the Word, and he won in the wilderness. If we will speak the truth of God's Word, take the sword of the Spirit, we'll overcome the enemy. Revelation chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, this is uh, a, a picture of the resurrected Christ, and it says, He had in His right hand seven stars, out of His mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and His countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. Jesus is pictured with a sharp two-edged sword coming out of his mouth. That sharp two-edged sword is his word. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of the joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The sword of the Spirit, God's Word, is only effective in spiritual warfare as we speak it. We have to speak that Word when we take the sword of the Spirit we, or the Word of God and we speak it. It is effective. Now, I want to rehearse some things. It's important for us to read the Word of God. We'll only know what God is like. We'll only know who we are in Christ. Uh, We'll only know what's true about God if we read His Word. And so Bible reading should be a daily discipline. Secondly, it's important for us to meditate on His Word. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8 says, But this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. As we read the Word of God, as we meditate on it, thinking about God's Word, going over it in our minds, letting it get down deep inside us, uh, one of the meanings for the word meditate is to mutter, and it means speaking God's Word to ourselves. And I would encourage all of us, as we read God's Word, get a hold of it, to to mutter it, speak it to ourselves. Let it get down deep in our heart. Reading, meditating, but then thirdly, as far as spiritual warfare is concerned, we will only be 
effective with the sword of the Spirit by speaking God's word, and I should have put here, against the enemy. Satan's attacks come to us in the form of lies. He is a liar. If his lips are moving, he's lying. He is a liar. And, and we, all of us, as God's people, it doesn't matter if you are a new believer or if you've been a Christian for decades, he is persistent. He continues to lie. He will lie to us until we go on to be with the Lord. And I hope that's soon. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. But until then, we have an enemy. He's a very real enemy. We are not meant to be intimidated, but we are meant to take the whole armor of God, and the last piece of that armor is a sword of the Spirit, and it is effective against hell when we speak it. And so I, I, I left an example, I put an example in your notes here. Uh, Satan's lies come and they're expressed by words or thoughts or ideas that attack our minds. We overcome those words by speaking God's word. It is written. And so I left an example here for you. Satan lies, and, and one of the lies he would say is that we'll just always be weak in faith. We'll be weak in our faith. You'll never be strong in, in, in faith and, and, and believing God's word like you should and all that. So we have to counter those kind of lies by speaking God's word. And we do this by, by finding a verse or several verses of Scripture in the Bible relating to that attack and then personalizing it. And so I did this as an example. Romans 4, verse 20 and 21, this has to do with faith and believing God. It talks about Abraham, and it applies to us. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform. And so when I say take a, a verse of Scripture or verses and personalizing it, it's, it goes kind of like this. I am strengthened in faith by giving glory and praise to God. When we do this, it strengthens us. I am fully convinced that what He has promised, He is able to perform. When we speak God's Word like that, it does something. It, it attacks the lie of the enemy, and it also... Our own ears need to hear the words that come out of our mouth. It confirms what God's Word says about Him and about us, and we need to hear it. We need to know it for ourselves. Everything in you may feel like, I, well, I don't, I don't feel very strong. I, I don't, uh, uh, I, you know, God's all these promises, and I don't, I may not feel like the promises are real in my life right now, but it matters not what we feel. It matters, well, it does, it matters what we feel, but the only way to get our feelings back into line with God's Word is to take God's Word and use it. Does that make sense? So we, we cause our feelings to come in line with God's Word, and we 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 flash that sword against the enemy and against his lies that he tries to lodge in our minds and we strike it down with the truth of God's word.
Satan will lie and say, well, God's not with you. How could you? Why, if God was with you, why would you feel this way? Why don't you feel him if he's with you? Well, we, our feelings are, are, are great liars, and Satan is a great liar. And whether or not you feel him at the moment or not, he and his word has said, Hebrews 13, verse 5 and 6, says, he says, he himself has said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear, what can man do to me? And so we need to get God's word into our life and then begin to speak it. Uh, he is the Lord who heals us. If we're dealing with ongoing health issues, we ought to constantly through the course of our day speak God's word and as, it's, as it relates to healing. I am the Lord who heals you. By his stripes we have been healed. And until we have the evidence of that healing, we ought to speak his word because his word is true. Whether our physical bodies feel that at the moment, whether our minds feel it at the moment, his word is let God be true and every man a liar. Can you say amen? amen. And so we are finished with this series on the armor of God. If we will take the armor of God, put it on, we can overcome every attack of the enemy. Now, I want to pray over us tonight. I, I've got this prayer and confession, and I want you to repeat it with me, and then I'm going to pray over us as we close tonight. If you just bow your head and close your eyes, I'll, I'll speak it out in bits and pieces. So if you'll just say this out loud with me, thank you, Jesus, for giving me all I need to win in spiritual warfare. Thank you for the helmet of salvation that guards my mind. My mind is covered by the relationship I have with you. Thank you for the sword of the Spirit. I will speak your word against every lie of hell. Your word will be in my mind, in my heart, and in my mouth. I am more than a conqueror through you. Thank you for that. In your wonderful name, Jesus. Amen. Now, Lord, I pray over each and every one, and I again tonight know, Lord, that there are those of us who have come this evening, and have been attacked and assaulted. And tonight, I pray your peace to settle in over every heart and life here. I pray the peace of God uh, to guard each and every heart. Thank you, Lord, for the helmet of salvation. We put it on. We thank you for it. Our relationship with you is secured through the blood that you shed for us, we thank you that we are saved. We thank you that we have a relationship with you. We thank you that you are always there for us. Thank you, Lord, for the power of your word and the sword of the Spirit, 
which is the Word of God. We will take your Word. We will speak your truth and your Word against every lie of the enemy. And I put those lies down tonight in every heart and life here, Lord. Your grace, your strength. I pray that each and every one of us as we leave this place sense the reality of the grace of God, the strength of God, and the covering of God in our life. Thank you for victory over the enemy. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you. Uh, remember, next week, 6.30, uh, uh, worship and praise and prayer. We, we take special time to pray for uh, special needs, and so come, bring somebody with you. The week following, the power of the blood of Jesus. There is power in the blood of Jesus Christ. God bless you guys. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.